Oh, yeah. This is the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Inside the ring. Outside the ring. It's all here. We're talking about the greatest sport of all, professional wrestling. Now, here's your host, the cream of the crop, Nick Dieterding. Come on. Welcome back to the Universal Wrestling Podcast. My name is Nick Dieterding. His name is Chris Dunn, and we have a special guest on the program, Malachi Black. Malachi, how are you, sir? Oh, good. Just a uh, busy, busy day running and jumping, so uh, I'm glad I can actually take a second to just kind of sit down and talk to some people versus, um, like I said, running and jumping. So, Yeah. Yeah, with, our, um, with the uh, Leukemia and Lymphoma uh, Society fundraiser, we're doing uh, this donation drive that you know, I'm not sure when this episode airs, but uh, we'll end towards the end of May. So if you haven't donated yet, uh, you heard the message at the top of the pod, Pete, please do. But one of the first people I thought uh, to speaking to is, is Malachi, because during my time at WWE and NXT, um, really few nicer people backstage and few people more invested in his, his character, uh, whether it was, you know, kind of re- returning his body at some point, always thinking about ways to evolve the character, putting his money into the character, which a lot of talent don't really do. Um, it's such a such an interesting person and good person to talk to. So Malachi, thanks for thanks for doing this. Yeah, no worries. And obviously, you know, uh, invested in the character to the point of uh, complete meltdowns and uh, <laughs> I'm making it sound worse than it really is, but uh, yeah, we definitely were invested in uh, in a lot, um, you know, from the NXT days. And obviously, right before you and I both, uh, you know, took an exit from um, uh, from our respected positions within the company uh, of WWE. Uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me, man. Like, it's been a minute. It's like we were planning on doing this for a while. And obviously, my schedule had to line up and everything had to line up. But hey, here we are. Yeah, it's exciting. Like it's uh, Nick. I don't think I told you this, but like, so my last seven months at the company, uh, Malachi and I were working on those vignettes to reintroduce his character. And one of the hardest things before uh, giving my notice and leaving was not being able to produce them. But like, um, out of all the things I was involved with the company, those the final product of what they turned out to be were really cool. Like we, you know, we kind of we were talking like once a week and did like all this in-depth stuff with shadow puppets, like based on like uh, the new Candyman movie that came out a, a yep. year or so ago. And uh, I've never worked with a talent who was just so creatively involved and brought so many awesome ideas to the project. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, had a lot of like, you know, everything has ups and downs. And I, you know, specifically remember that, you know, like one of the things that we definitely needed to work on continuously is obviously the verbiage because the way that I sometimes like verbalize myself might not be suited for the audience that, uh, you know, that the WWE had. But, you know, um, just finding different ways of saying the same thing, but then also sometimes like kind of reversing it again and trying to find the middle ground between certain like, uh, you know, things. I, I always think that the Dark Father vignettes could have been you know, no, I'm saying that wrong. The Dark Father vignettes were great, um, but it's always such a questionable thing as to why they like, you know, did what they did. And, and you know, the thing is, like I say questionable, but, I, you know, now I obviously know everything that went down and why um, things went the way they went. But it still sometimes feels like an incredible waste of time. Uh, for both me and Chris, because we were invested for that thing for eight months. We spoke, you know, uh, you know, a lot. And Chris was a lot of times was my was my my conscience in this and, you know, calming me down because like sitting sitting at home for eight months for a guy like me who, you know, loves working. I love to be involved. I, I, I you know, I'm involved with this process to the point where it just eats me alive sometimes. And, you know, that's I guess that's part of the. Um, the creative person's brain, but also I think, uh, you know, the athlete's brain, because like, you, you know, there's a part of this that's, it's more than character, but it like, it trickles down into like um, every single, uh, every single thing that you're doing. So a lot of times Chris was my, uh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. You know, calm down, breathe. I'll give you a call. You know what I mean? And um, cause the initial idea was that I was off TV for what, like six weeks. And then they were going to put me back at rumble 
Yeah, we we I think it was the draft, and I think yeah, the goal was Rumble, so that's like October yeah. to January. Um, yeah, and you know the, the the I think like the the biggest thing that kind of impacted your character and like and you were also my sounding board a lot during that process because like as a writer you get frustrated too. Um, yeah. You know, it's I think COVID had such a incredible negative impact on the company because the heads of the company are so busy to begin with the people because when it comes to like things like vignettes, you know, everyone thinks about like, you know, the eighties and the nineties where like they're happening left and right. A lot of times, like it takes, there's so much more content. Now you're not just recording four episodes a week that gives you time to go do these things. And it's also like money's involved because it's a publicly created company. So you have to get sign offs, all these things. It has to go through so many loops like, I remember when we did the Bianca vignettes, that was like four months it took to get off the ground. Um, and just getting them in front of the right people sometimes can be a long process because you're constantly in production. And, you know, um, it's it was definitely frustrating. And like, but I think like the end results turned great. And like, I feel, I think like the, you know, obviously like, you know, you know, they happened and like, you know, we, we both moved on, but like, you know, I was kind of looking back at your career at WWE this weekend at NXT. It's like a very impressive career. Like, you know, from being like, they go into the Royal Rumble at NXT, your first WrestleMania, your second WrestleMania, even though it was like during the pandemic against Lashley. Like, you know, and like one thing that always kind of stuck out with me, like is, which I, I think is a very nice compliment um, that Brian James said, like when we were talking about NXT talent who call up, you're always the one of the ones stood out there because you're the most well-rounded person. Cause like, you have these people that can like be really make things look really stiff and be, but be safe. And then you have these people that can do all these like, you know, very athletic high flying moves. Um, and, uh, you kind of had a combination of both. Um, and that style is so new, unique, few people can do it. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. It's uh, I always pride myself on having a very realistic um, style. And it's actually something that like, um, you know, you're not the first one uh, to tell me that, but it's also, you know, I think the years and years of like listening to other people and like years and years of breaking down martial arts and like really getting control over my legs and over my body and, you know, breaking down if I see, you know, if I saw, I was, I would watch Muay Thai fights or kickboxing fights. I would saw someone kick to the head. What did the body movement look like? And how do, how do I emulate the body movement and then strike, but then not strike in a sense why I would completely like, you know, concuss someone or like, and, and, you know, and because of the way I grew up, because I did so much martial arts, that kind of came natural for me. And, you know, if you look at what I do in, in AEW now, uh, my style is much more ground-based because the character is different. I didn't want to, I didn't want to waltz in into AW and do 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 an Alistair uh, character. You know what I mean? I wanted to do something that was in the line of what people were used used to me seeing. Um, I didn't want to alienate my 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 pre-existing fan base from like the days of Tommy N going into WWE from NXT to the main roster and then going into like AEW. I didn't want to alienate anyone, but I did felt highly that I needed a different IP, a different identity that was still threading the same waters as what you previously seen. And funny enough, um, I always kind of like consider this installment of who I am to be a mesh of, you know, the, the, the years on the independence and then the years in the WWE NXT predominantly, and then kind of like blend it together. And that's what um, uh, Malachi basically became. And even, even more funny. So this was actually the character that I was supposed to debut with in NXT, but then Hunter wanted the character to be a good guy. Um, and th- this is the same character that I got picked up on from the independence, because if you go back 10, 12 years and you, you know, you, you look at the Sumerian death squad and the, 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 the tag team stuff that I used to do and the, you know, the symbolism that we use in the promos that we di- did and these like vignette types promos that we used to make for like progress and ICW, um, it, like it all stems 
from that and then obviously all everything that I learned in uh, in NXT and in the main roster and, you know, talking and learning from people like 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 Shawn Michaels and Terry Taylor and, and, and Triple H and like, you know, you know, Robbie Brookside and, 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 and Norman Smiley and so forth. And even Vince, you know, like just like listening uh, to them talk and like even like, you know, Pat Patterson sometimes taking me to the side and like, you know, verbalize with me. And, uh, and um, you know, I, I had a lot of good soundboard. I had a lot of good people like kneading my brain into like what this like rough ball of like energy and experience that I had and really molding it into something. And that's, specifically the beginning what i did with aw it's a little different now because um you know like um it, it's just different with how what i initially visioned this was going to be with how it's presented now um in both good and bad ways because everything comes in twos you know that as well as i do um you know the 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 the, the playing field changes but sometimes the perspective stays the same you know, yeah. you're still dealing with uh, the same uh, the same obstacles, but also the same positives. You know, and I, I will say there was a lot more positives to, you know, where I'm located now in terms of like who I can be and who I want to be. There's still like, uh, you know, there's still some some ropes attached to me that, you know, I cannot cut or, um, you know, sometimes people just know better. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, you, you need the outside perspective. Like, I'm glad that, for instance, now I have, like, you know, a Buddy Murphy who um, might not be known for a guy that's, like, you know, really smart in terms of, like, creativity, but he'll have these little gems that make me go, oh, you're actually right. Or, like, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting approach to something, you know? Uh, and then, obviously, Brody, who comes from a completely different part of the of, of the wrestling scene and growing up in the realms of like the ring you know the 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 the, the ring of honors and like you know more, more currently like new japan and stuff and he brings in a different flair because he has a different style than anyone i've ever tagged with or anything i've ever everyone i've worked with and sure i've worked with some bigger dudes that are strike heavy but he draws his inspiration from very different things so i feel that this blend of people that you know make the house of black is such a you know, such a unique and different aesthetic and such a different energy and vibe. Um, um, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really content with at least that part of the, of, of the mm -hmm. process with, with, with what we're, um, what we're amplified as, as and, and what, we, what we present to an audience in terms of like the aesthetic and the entrances and the, and the looks and the, and the, you know, that, that part of it at least, um, gives me a lot of satisfaction because it was part of a vision that Tony let me have. And, you know, the process of like continuation of it is sometimes a bit, you know, difficult. That's why I feel like sometimes it's the, it's like, you know, you, you run into the same walls sometimes. Um, but these walls are easily like much more easily to be debated about. And it's not like, you know, no is not definitely like a no. And yes, it's not always like, you know, a definite yes, where, where you and I were, previous like no it was just the biggest wall in the world and I'm like you, you 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 there's no possible way you could sway people and now you know it's 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 very it's it's a challenge but it's a it's a it's a much more mentally feasible challenge versus where we were prior yeah i see it so much of your um i see so much of your natural creativity coming through that group that's really awesome and like you know it's it's also really nice to see you know, buddy involved in that, like that guy at WWE, like one really hard worker. I worked with him a lot during the, you know, the Rey Mysterio storyline um, with Aaliyah. And like he, you know, he was, he really grew as a, you know, as an actor during that period a lot. Um, but he has such an amazing style in the ring. And like, you know, under the Heyman era raw, you know, working for Paul, like I learned a lot about the business and it was really great to grow under him. He had really faith, like he had a lot of faith in you and Buddy. And like those matches, we did a lot. And the ratings always either held or went up. And like they were, it was proof in the pudding. And like they were always great. And like it was such, it was kind of different than anything else on WWE programming at the time. 
again, I appreciate you saying that. That's funny that you mentioned Paul because Paul is obviously, you know, one of those people that was one of my biggest backers and one of the biggest advocates of me and basically saying that, you know, how I was thinking and what I wanted to do, you know, fell right in line with what he felt Russell needed to go to because like both me and, me and Buddy threaded that like, you know, and they call it an indie style, which I don't really necessarily agree with, but it's like, let's, let's, let's call it a rougher, more unpolished style um, that we both came into with an NXT and then that got shaped. And then like, and, 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 and you know, and the same goes for like, you know, you, you're Johnny Gargano's and you're Tommaso Ciampa's and uh, you're Ricochet's who's doing great, by the way, you know, and like War Raiders, all these guys that, you know, grew up with me on the independent level that came to like that installment of NXT and what we were doing was accepted, but it was guided. And the guided part made us so incredibly smart to, um, you know, the, to, to where the business was going. And when we had that installment of NXT, the, I mean, it was one of the most successful installment of NXT. So when we moved up with that, with that style to, um, to the main roster and Vince gave us the platform via Paul, you know, I'm talking about me and Buddy to have those three consecutive matches in a row. And it was because the ratings were good on him. And it was because people kept tuning in for them. And like, I remember me and buddy really going like, <laughs> maybe this was a bit foolish to think, but me and buddy both went like, well, I think after this, you know, it's, it's up space mountain. And for some reason, you know, he went this way, I went that way. And then the pandemic hit and the pandemic was obviously not good for me at all. And I've always been told that the reason why is because Vince could not gauge because he didn't have an audience. And yeah, then, that was a massive was issue uh, for, yeah. for everyone. Like those yeah. essentially too, it's like, you kind of look how we're doing TV. There were like weeks where we were like, you know, like we would have like a, we were doing two Raws a day and like then yep. two SmackDowns a day. And yep. we were trying to get all the creative done in such a way where like, sometimes you're playing catch up in a way. I think like, you know, the, the couple of things I'll say is like one about like the, I, anyone who says like you guys were doing an indie style in those Raw matches completely disagree. Cause I think like it was very hard hitting and they felt real. I think though, like with a lot of indie stuff, it's move, 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 move. You guys are actually telling stories in those matches and taking yeah, the time. So that's and that's what I mean. Like we, yeah. we were coming with this raw style, but then we were guided to like be smart about how the structure of like how the match structure would like be more presented and more be more potent, basically. And that's why me and Buddy were like, I think one of the few first again with the Tomasos and the Garganos, yeah. et cetera, uh, that had a hybrid style of coming with that high impact indie style with the blend of traditional pro wrestling and storytelling and TV wrestling even. Um, and, and I feel that's what made, made us stand, stand apart because it was exciting and dynamic to watch. And it was a little bit different. And then, like I said, when the, when the, um, when the pandemic hit, I was always told that the reason why the booking was the way it was is because Vince was just going, I, I don't know who's over or not. I don't know who's getting a good reaction. I don't know. Cause the ratings are, you know, all doing this. I don't know. He, he couldn't, he couldn't like track it. And it made him really frustrated, which is understandable uh, because obviously prior to that, I was a very well, at least maybe, maybe well is not the right word, but I was in a position where I was slowly being pushed more up the ladder and really thinking that the pandemic era did so much damage and not just for me, but like, you know, for people like you and for a lot of people, because it, it was it was it was hard all around it was hard for yeah. the world it was hard for every person on the planet because tv wasn't doing great uh everybody was kind of everyone was afraid i remember i just like the first day of lockdown i'm sitting with my with my wife on the couch and we just did all our groceries because we're expecting you know we're expecting the apocalypse to basically happen <laughs> yeah and waking up in a wasteland uh the next morning and, and like i'm sitting on the couch with my wife and my wife goes well, we're in lockdown. I'm like, yeah. I have no idea what this means. I, I, what does it mean? What are we doing? And I think that 
state of confusion just trinkled all throughout the world and specifically into our into our world because no one knew what to do. You know, I mean, everybody was just like, what's happening? Yeah, I was battling exhaustion from it. Like we were like flying back and forth between LA and Orlando sometimes twice a week. Like because two, like you know, on our end, like we were doing skeleton crews, and like I was one of the guys, but then like I was also the offsite guy, and it was just like exhausting and like draining and like you know it it you you couldn't tell uh, what was what was working and what wasn't and like you know the shows became very sterile until you went to the thunderdome and you know it just like you weren't sure like people weren't watching because of like it was this very weird thing though like a lot of really awesome stuff was going on um i think like one thing though about like those buddy matches like obviously the pandemic hit, but I think like some like really good things came of it. Like, you know, buddy, you know, went with Seth, uh, yeah, which like, yep. yeah. And that, that like wouldn't have happened without those matches. I don't know. Like, obviously this was a WrestleMania at you know the performance center, but like, you know, in, if you look at since he came back in 27 or 2018, 2017, like Lashley has been protected. Like you went over on Lashley at WrestleMania. That's like a massive deal. And then you're yeah, bouncing in stories. That a lot. I, th- What's up? I text him that I text him that a lot. I bet I beat him. I'm sure that he loves that. Um, and then too, like like you're in the you're working like like top people like Seth and Rey Mysterio, like Kevin, yeah. like it's like you are being positioned in this top way. And I think a lot of it goes back to like you know, those matches, like, of, like, you and Buddy, and, like, really kind of, like, the trust that even though we're in the pandemic, the numbers were going up with Alistair being the lead in these matches. Mm. I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I have to give a special thanks to both Seth and Kevin, because they held my head up high during those, those times of, like, complete confusion. Uh, Seth was also someone who was there for me with a lot of advice, and a lot of like knowledge and a lot of like, try to try this angle, try that. Tell me about this. So if you think about your character, what would you do this way? What would you and like, you know, he really made yeah. me think, you know, cause like Seth is a lot smarter than people realize he is in this business. Oh, people like don't understand how long he's been on top because I don't care what people think that guy's been a top player for the man for, for almost like, almost like a decade, almost. Like he's been he's been a high profile guy even from his NXT days he was a high profile player there to being a high profile player on on the he's so smart to it and the same goes for Kevin right Kevin in those last few matches right before I, I you know I rang the door and basically said boss we need to have a conversation because what the hell is happening um, Kevin would check on me every single week. Cause he knew what was going on and he knew that it wasn't right. And he knew that, you know, what, 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 was being presented and what I was promised versus what I was given would flip flop literally every Monday. And it, it, it drove me, it drove me insane. Like it drove me insane. Cause I was just like, what is going on? But again, the reflection of the, you know, the pandemic and Kevin would like check on me every single week after, after TV or like, basically going like, Hey man, I'm, you know, just, 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 you know, penny for your thoughts. And just, you know, I understand that it's like, you know, I understand that this is not the easy part. I understand that this is a frustrating part, but, you know, really trying to keep my morale high. You tried to keep my morale high and it was, um, but I think commonly. So I think we all tried to keep each other's morale high because it was, yeah, it was a pretty grim kind of phase in the whole, like, uh, in, in, in the WB universe. And I remembered when that mania came and how strange it was, but I still felt that I, you know, cause I came out with the big horn jacket. Cause I was like, well, it's still goddamn mania. And I'm going to make this a goddamn mania. Yeah. And I'm going to come out with the jacket that was supposed to be seen by 80,000 people. So I'm still going to wear it. And, um, you know, cause I also want to, I also want Vince to know that like, you know, a performance center or not, it was WrestleMania. You know, yeah. and I want to know that. And we we briefly spoke about that, and he he appreciated that I still came out with all the bells and whistles, and you know, because um, it was just a strange time for like for all of us, 
And, yeah. Um, I mean, I think yeah, like it says something about you as a performer that you did that. Um, and like, same thing with Kevin and Seth. They had a, that that match and they did that crazy bump. And yes. like, yes. Um, and yeah, too, to your point, like Seth is like one of the best people to work with there. He's such a leader. And yes. he really, a good word. Yep. yeah, and he thinks about the whole show in totality. Um, and he really cares about everyone there. And like, Kevin is like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Uh, he is, you know, he, you trust him so, so much in a segment because you know, he can always roll with anything. And those are, those are two such amazingly top people. Um, and like, yeah, I think like you had like so many great matches with them. One match that, uh, we had Adam Cole on from the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. One match that we talked about was that really internally gained a lot of traction for you at the time was, um, throughout the whole company was the NXT match in Philadelphia. And just like, what do you remember about that match? Like, what were your fun memories from that? Like, it's so, like, it's, it was such a, an unbelievable thing to see in person. So one of the, uh, one second, like one of my, one of my cats was going to be trying to get into a fist fight with one of the other cats. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Yeah. There's some, uh, some some heated heated cat uh, cat, cat fights going on sometimes in this household. <laughs> um, so that that match, me and Adam Cole, uh, Philadelphia takeover, uh, street fight, if I recall correctly. Um, it was the perfect audience. It was the perfect town. It was the perfect person, Paul Heyman, introducing that pay per view, and everything aligned there. In that in that night, and Adam, who is a phenomenal wrestler, I, I hold him in high high regards. Um, he did such a great job, you know, selling the character that was Alistair, because that was always a big thing for me. Taker used to come up to me and say, "Just make sure that whenever you wrestle people, that people cannot be normal with." what you are and even now in this in this in, in, the, in this in this installment people can't look at what i do and just go right regular guy he's like because you're not a regular guy he's like characters like ours need to be sold by the individual he always mentioned like sean being so good at it because sean would, would like mock him but then all of a sudden take would go in the and be like oh you know what i mean there, there would always be an uh-oh moment uh, and that would sell the character and adam did that naturally I didn't have to tell Adam anything. Adam understood. Adam understood what I represented and Adam worked with it. Um, Adam is a guy that in my, in my opinion, especially around that time is a very well-rounded, you know, person. He's got a good look. He's got a great promo. He's got a charismatic face, um, has great wrestling ability. Um, we, we've had so many matches which I don't think, I don't think I've ever had a bad match with him because he's so organic. He's so natural. And that night, like a lot of things just kind of came together. And what I particularly remember from that match was um, there's a part where he throws a chair at me and I catch it. And I like, I'm on the top rope and I said, not today, Cole. And he super kicks the thing right in my face and I fall off the top and I fall through a table. (laughs) And I remember going, yeah, that table didn't break my fall at all. I can't breathe. It's <laughs> oh, no. like one of those. I just went, oh, man, that was all right. That was there. And then it, it cut my back open. And then backstage, you know, part of that match, like Kyle and Bobby were supposed to come out. And I mean, they were going to come out and they would take me to the table, do something. But then sanity would come running in. And instead of picking me up, uh, they were instructed the very last second by Hunter to drag me on the floor. So I have this open wound on my back and here comes Bobby and Kyle grabbing my foot. I'm going, what the F are you doing? This goddamn hurts. Pick me up. <laughs> we're supposed to drag you. And um, that was like, like, I, I, like other than that, I remember just the, 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 the part where we like the slowing down parts 
it was one of those matches where a lot of the veterans later backstage and like even now still come up to me and saying like you did such a great job still on the offense because you guys were hitting each other with bombs and you guys went from more progressiveness to just like slowly and methodically and like you know really really having layers in your selling which is something i miss with a lot of people nowadays like the layers in selling like uh, uh, often at times i feel like everything is the same everything is a knockout sell you know and um yeah it's it's something that i was thinking about this weekend i saw i don't want to i don't want to bury the person but like and like ironically like you sometimes you hear like vince or like somebody say something and like you don't really understand it but like you know the dead cell is like Seeing it and like not seeing people overdone. after it, it's just like yeah, it's, it's overdone, hundred yeah. percent. It's it's like it's the it's the the starry eyes. Oh my god, it, you know it's it's. Uh, oh look, I, I I hit the cat once and I'm covered in <laughs> the camera. But um, you know the 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 starry eyed. Uh, I'm uh, you know I'm rocked. Is like it, it, it's a very a very overdone one. And it's difficult to kind of then like add layers yeah. to what it is that you're trying to do unless the story is that the arc is of like a complete turnaround eventually. Because once you give an audience like, you know, that deep of a cell, you're going to have to create a story arc around it for the turnaround. But that, you know, if you do that in the beginning, which I, I, I often see. But then I often see a complete turnaround within like a minute. And that's where I kind of have that disconnect where I like, yeah, you just like 10 seconds ago, you were wobbly and your legs were shaky. Yeah. And you were, you know, you were, you, you got, you got, you got rocked inside out, but clearly it didn't matter because 30 seconds later, you're, you know, um, okay, that was like such an awesome match. Years, yeah. Was that? That was just such an awesome match. Like I, yeah, like yeah, just, no, I, um, I, I also remember Adam being, uh, very generous with 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 what he wanted to do and very like okay and trusting with what he wanted to do and like i, I trust adam with literally everything because adam is again adam is a natural and you know i think every company that he's worked for sees his value even now in aw you, you yeah know, you see where he's a marquee player straight away um you know it's uh and and and, and that's good because that's years of hard work paying off for him and I'm glad that I got to be a little part of that for him. Yeah, and that match, like, you know, not to be too hyperbolic, but, like, that match definitely kind of, like, looking back on it for what that version of NXT definitely kind of felt like. I mean, you mentioned them. felt like the taker Sean equivalent for that era. And, like, you know, I remember when you were coming to the main roster, I don't think, I don't think Paul knew that we were working together in NXT, but he just, like, if you want to know, Tommy and Alistair Black's character watched the match in Philadelphia with Adam Cole. Like that says everything you need to know. And it's just such an amazing job of getting both your characters over while also having a physically athletic, amazing story in the ring. It's also like someone like, you know, and like someone like Hunter who did this thing where he would work with me instead of like giving me all the ideas, he would say, what do you want to do? He's like, I, I, I got you for a reason. And in the beginning, and you know that it was on the beginning of NXT, I was super confused. I had so many people in my ear, and it really took me a while to kind of figure out who I was and what I needed to do. Um, case in point, like my first match on TakeOver, that was, was just not good against Andrade. It was just not what it needed to be. But we were instructed in a certain way, and now we at least knew what we did not want, Right. Yeah, And I think at the third takeover with my match with, you know, and like, it's, it's obviously a bit of a, a bit of a, um, a different individual nowadays in terms of like mentioning him, but, you know, let's look at the wrestler, not of the person, um, but Velveteen Dream, you know, I remember vividly telling, uh, telling Hunter, like, let me do this. Let me call this. If I completely screw this up, then the ropes are back in your hand. You tell me what you want to do. Because I had a good feeling about this one. And I had a feeling of like, no, I think I know what he wants. So when we did what we did, I came back. He's like, I am never telling you what to do ever again. And I was like, okay, thank you. You know, and it was from there that he really started to work with me. And I'm sure still like throughout the TVs, you know, sometimes it would be 
um, what he thought was best. And I, you know, I would listen, but you know, you and I have had many conversations in regards to where I felt like I would not, you know, verbalize myself in, 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 in these ways, but in due time, we found a good balance, but Hunter was definitely, uh, was definitely a guy that said like, what do you want to do? What do you think? What do your characters think? Like, you know, he would, he would, he would work with me because he knew where I came from and he knew what I did. And then he went, I have this dude that looks this way, does these things. I don't want to tell him how to do it because clearly he's understanding what I want from him now. And now I can, you know, yeah. work with him. And, um, and again, even still that process, you've been thinking about, it, it was a lot of like, I wouldn't say ups and downs, but it were a lot of like, you know, curves and a lot of like learning, learning, learning moments and um, a lot of conversations um, which you and I both know conversation wrestling are always plenty. Every yeah, time there's a, there's a, there's a lot of conversations to be had prior to like doing one thing. And that's, that's, that's the nature of the business. That's fine. It's also TV. Um, but he would work with me. He wouldn't try to stop me. He wouldn't try to like influence me. He wouldn't say, no, do it this way. He would say, okay. And he would find the middle ground. And then we will po both put in like our pennies and clearly it was a success and clearly what we wanted to do, you know, it worked. Um, and he made me a marquee player in NXT because of working with me and not trying to stifle creativity and not trying to uh, tell me what to do. And, you know, there's people who work really well with giving all the direction, but I need to have, I need to be able to stretch my wings. And I think that's also like one of the biggest difference between me NXT in the main roster is that I definitely had my wings clipped on the main roster, but I also going up, remember going, thinking to myself, like, you know, don't be that guy. Don't be the guy that immediately goes, Oh, I don't want to, you know, like, and, and I listen, and I think I listened a little bit too long, but having said that eventually when I started talking, we got into the whole buddy Murphy and, 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 and Malachi thing, um, which was positive but I feel like it never progressed due to aforementioned reasons. And the one thing I will say, and I've always had this in my head where I felt that the room promos eventually ran its course. And even Heyman said that, but Vince was, Vince liked them very much and he never really wanted to change them very often. And we were just like, okay, but we feel that we, you know, something, everything needs to evolve. You know, I was never the biggest fan of the pick a fight line. But again, I didn't want to be that guy. So I worked with, it. I was given something. So I tried to make it work. But eventually when me and Heyman both felt like, okay, it's running its course and these promos are not completely connecting because uh, it was intriguing, but it never went anywhere. Um, I felt like we never, we were never able to like uh, 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 see the evolved version. We would never see um uh, what, what, what was going to happen next because the whole world changed and what we were filming changed and the narrative changed and where I was placed in the program changed. And you know what I mean? All these things were happening. So that was always one of those things where, uh, yeah, it's frustrating just because like one, you know, I think they were really good about getting your character out. Um, the negative though is like eventually there are so many there were so many cool things about the character from the entrance from the move set to the yep. presence where you want to get that and get to it and kind of going back to hunter hunter really understood that and like i think like one thing that was really really awesome is like one of my favorite memories of your character which was a a negative turning into a positive was mm -hmm. when you when you were injured and we did the attack angle. Oh, I loved it. Everyone, yeah. everyone involved in that angle made you feel bigger than life. And actually, I think made you feel like this vigilante who was just such a badass. I remember this like promo regal cut where he's just like, God have mercy on NXT if we don't figure out who did this. And then like yeah. all the stuff between you and Nikki was fantastic. Like there was just so many like good things about it and it's such a great way of like, you know, a lot of times in like wrestling, like injuries happen, you can't take gravity. Um, and like, unlike shows, like, you know, if like, if I'm winning time, if John C. Riley like tears his ACL, like he can still do the show. 
this is different, but yeah. like I think that was just like such a good example of like Hunter and like a, a Joe and like a, a Gabe and so many people just like coming together yourself putting together such an amazing story that was like good, compelling week to week television that made you feel like a, a badass and a massive star. Yeah, no, and again, I appreciate you saying it. And Regal is another one that has been in my corner since day one. And, yeah. you know, amazing guy. Of advice and he's obviously one of the brilliant minds behind all the stuff that we did. And I, it's funny enough, because I actually was just about to reference the exact same thing. Because again, going back to selling the character, when Regal did that, he put the character in such a position for the audience that it made me a much bigger and, and, and crazier deal um, than what I was pre. Like, I would say that the injury and the angle helped me more than if I would have stayed. Yeah. I know what the I know what the creative was, and I know that we were supposed to go into a three way match between me and Tommaso and Johnny for the for the belt again. But I really, really liked the way this went. I really liked what Johnny did with his character. I liked the promo stuff between me and Johnny. I, um, in particular, remember when I finally confronted Johnny and Johnny, uh, you know, I, I said to Johnny, Johnny Russling is dead. And that was the first time where I raised my voice. And everybody was just like, oh, crap. Because I never did that because I had the really calm, monotone, stoic character. And all of a sudden, there was like a flare of emotion. And it gave, it gave a dimension. And it made it so much worth so much more. And then Johnny's reaction to it being the little conniving um, little bastard <laughs> that he was at that moment. And he, he just he played it to a T. And, you know, I think for everyone that... Um, that angle did a lot. And then obviously, you know, the payoff between me and Johnny and then building back up to me and Tommaso and then me and Tommaso had one of still one of my absolute favorite matches that I've done, which was the 35 minute match that we had in Phoenix where, okay. uh, you know, he, um, he, uh, he leveled my knee. And it was just like, you know, and also to the credit of someone like Tommaso, who also, you know, has gone through so much and has surely had his ups and downs and his uh, struggles in life and in wrestling. And then to be able to be this guy um, wrestling me in this angle, I felt very blessed that, that, that I was part of, you know, I was seen in the same vein as the Johnny's and the, and the Tommaso specifically because they had such an intense storyline prior uh, and then being woven into that. And then like we elevated the thing even more. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good feeling of a bunch of professionals. It was really, um, everybody had fun. And I remember vividly in the, in the locker rooms, we were always competing with each other, but in a way that we wanted each other to do better. There was one night in particular where we had a takeover. I think it was, oh boy. Um, it might have it might actually been the one between uh, me and uh, Rick, our last one, me and Ricochet and against the War Raiders. It might be the last one where Tomasa stood next to me and said, I'm going to outsell you tonight. And I said, bring it. And we were just like, yeah, but that was the that yeah. was the mentality. And like when they did the ladder match, the um, the night I won the title, the the, the New Orleans uh, uh, six month for the for the uh, North American title for the first time. I remember all of us watching that match going, okay, so this is how it's going to be. This is what we're doing. All right, let's bring it. Like, you know what I mean? It was all these, um, um, all these, all these guys that were just there supporting each other, but also competing with, with another, but on a, on a, on a different way than I've ever experienced in my life. And again, I feel very blessed to be in that installment and in that group and with, with those guys. Yeah. It's, um, it was such a special group of people to be around. And I think like you brought it up too. And I wanted to ask, I wanted just to get your memories of it. Like, you know, kind of going through your career this weekend before we hopped on, like, I think like, yeah, people I consider like, you know, friends or people I really care about in my time at WWE, uh, you, uh, War Raiders, Viking Raiders, uh, Ricochet, um, all incredibly meaningful people to me. Um, uh, and I just like 
what was your memories of that tag? Because it was like, you know, obviously everyone knew you were going, but like the match was still phenomenal and you kept everyone like, you know, it didn't really matter that like you guys had been called up to the main roster. And, you know, I just, you know, kind of like seeing clips from that match, seeing the bow at the end was just such a, such a cool thing. And like, it was just really nice. That's actually one of my favorite memories, that old time frame, because it was right when me and Trevor got called up to the main roster with Tommaso and Johnny. And obviously, you know, Tommaso got hurt. And, you know, because of that, Johnny was sent back and Johnny decided to stay because he felt that he was much more comfortable in NXT than uh, been up there. And me and Trevor were left. But we would do, you know, we would do Raw on Monday. SmackDown was still on Tuesday. So we would go right to SmackDown. We would do SmackDown Wednesday. We had NXT taping. So we'd land and go straight to TV. And then on Thursday, we were home. And then on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we would have live events. I felt, I felt like the sharpest blade in the world. One of the things is uh, one of the things that I, for instance, miss with AEW is we don't do live events. I love live events. Live events is for me where I own a lot more of my craft. I don't have to worry too much about my time setting. I don't have to worry too much about my cameras. I just have to go out there and connect with an audience. And doing live events really makes you smart and it makes you, you know, like 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 a straight razor. And that's how I felt. I felt like a straight razor. I yeah, I, I met so you. I met you when you got to uh, Full Sail because I had a promo yeah. with you that Wednesday, and I had never seen you more energized. You were just like you were like going and like you were like excited, like huge smile on your face. It was like it was really great to see. And like and like too, it was like it like even though like you guys like kind of came up in like a, a weird market, like you guys were still getting reactions, and it was just like awesome. And like it was just really cool to see. It was um, it was that takeover where I was standing backstage half an hour before that match, warming up, and I just felt no nerves. I felt like, oh, this is gonna be, it's gonna be great. We did the match. Match went the way it went. One of my absolute all-time favorites. All all three gentlemen in there that I was in with are absolute pros, are absolute phenomenal talents. I'm super happy for all of them that they're doing what they're doing. Um, and then that night afterwards, we had WrestleMania. And I remember standing on that ramp and like, you know, my, my entrance was in front of like, I think at that time we had what, 84,000 people yeah. in, that, in, that, in, that, in that one. And I, I remember going up and I saw all the lights and all the flashes and I felt no nerves. I just went, if I was nervous now and I was worried, I should not be here. And that's what I generally felt like if I was still worried and nervous in a way where I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, then I had no right being there. And I felt anything but and I felt so on the ball. And, you know, we had the match and all, all those teams like, you know, and obviously, you know, like Miro was in there yeah. and, yeah. and, 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 and Sheamus and Cesaro and, and Shinsuke and. Uh, it was it was just a hell of a lot of fun, and I remember we put that match together in like maybe an hour uh, in the in, in in the afternoon with uh, with all of us with Michael Hayes, but everybody was just there to have fun, and I yeah it it was just a great time, man. Like a highly underrated match, like it, like it was like it a lot of some of the best work, like everyone is a elite worker in that match, and it moved so well, and like. Yeah, you know, it was kind of one of those matches like you guys were the new guys, so it was like a very sexy attraction. But like it kind of like oh, like sometimes it's like like it, it's really a good example of like a a match or a story is what you make of it because everyone in that match like it moves so well, amazing athleticism, and it just told a really awesome story. And I think it like it really kind of had like those matches always like when you're putting the tag teams together at mania have a potential to kind of be like, Oh, like, well, this is what it is. But it was like such an awesome four way. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was great. Like there's uh there's tons of moments in wrestling that are like, uh, you know, that, that like I, I have a lot of favorite memories, you know, like one of my most recent one was my debut in AW. Yeah. You know I mean, that, that was, that's my, one of my absolute favorites. It was just, uh, it was a good feeling to kind of like, after all that downtime to kind of, go into a position and being appreciated and like the reaction and the perceptive perception of, 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 of their fan base. And, you know, it was, um, yeah, 
there's been there's been a lot of times in this business in the last six years where there's been memories made that will last me a lifetime. Yeah, I know Nick specifically wanted to ask about that debut, yes. which was amazing. Yes, thank you. Um, I was just enjoying the conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whose idea? I mean, obviously we don't have to get into the you know thick of it, but how did that come to be the the debut, and then obviously kicking the head off of Orin? I mean, it was just something special as a fan. Can you elaborate a little on that? Yeah. So for the most part, it was all me. Uh, the opponents were picked by Cody. So Cody was the one that kind of said, I want to work with him. And Cody was 100% responsible for um, the way it was set up. But the idea of like the blackouts and uh, the commentary going, sorry, we've been you know dealing with several blackouts during the, during the night. Yeah, and the crowd basically going, "Whoa!" When the when when it was a blackout, you know, and we really psychologically like you know implemented that, and I was really happy because I had this idea. I had three days to tell Tony because you know my contact was done, and I couldn't talk to Tony in in the duration of my you know my 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 uh, my contract. But then, my contract was done. Me and my agent talked to Tony. I said, "Mr. Khan," because I, I still call him Mr. Khan at that point. Because like I'm not gonna just say flat out Tony to a person that I just meet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I said, "Well, Mr. Khan, this is my idea." And I ran the whole idea by him. I said, "What do you think?" He's like, "I love it. I fucking love it." Great. Part of my language. Um, but you know, he um, and he let me run, run with it. And then like he a, a day later, he said, "Hey, uh, Cody's got this idea for that." To mesh it in, it's going to be you and Cody, and I just, I just got like, yeah, I got butterflies because I was like, man, this is Cody Rhodes. You know, I mean, it's like it's not like a like a like a small guy. It's like it's he's a Rhodes, you know, and like a, it was a big deal, and he did a great job of like selling me and make me feel like a like a star, and he did a great job in putting me over. And, um, you know, etching my uh, my first few months in, in AW as being very fruitful and being productive and, you know, uh, giving me, uh, you know, a sizable rep. And, um, you know, I, I released that little video prior the the devil made me do it, which kind of rolled with those black. Yeah. And stuff. Awesome. Everything yeah. was kind of like trinkled into it. Yeah. So yeah. it was just it was just fun, man. It, like everything trinkled into it. And uh yeah, it was it was a great time. Yeah, it's um I, I we we had Adam Cole on and I told him this. You know, I I was a little nervous like during that time period because obviously like, you know, you're one of my guys like who I, I care about Cole same thing and like so many people were coming to AEW at the same time. Um and I wanted to make sure like the you know the people I I cared about were positioned like as stars and not getting lost, but like Tony's really done a great job with that. And like everyone who has come in has felt like very big and like, like even going back to buddy before the way he kind of came with you guys was great. And like, yeah. he's, he's really done such a fantastic job. And like, you know, a lot of people kind of think putting as a person who put wrestling shows together for five years, like it's, it's very, it's, that's not an easy thing to pull off and it's great how AEW has been doing that. Like everyone feels like an event when they start. Sure. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And the, the buddy Murphy thing, I sat down with Tony three months before that. I said, I have this idea because the whole thing house of black started living when I like, I think in week two or three, I kicked Cody and I kicked him all the way up to the, to the uh, entrance ramp. And um, I said to him, this is no longer your house. This is the house of black. And that started trending. <laughs> and I was like, I think there's something I can do with this. And then I remembered like all the stuff that I did prior with like, you know, these cultist type characters that I always do. And, you know, again, this, uh, this, like this Malachi character was already based on Tommy. And so I was like, why do I give that life again? Why don't I, why don't I use all the stuff? And, like it, it came together really organically. So I sat down with him. I was like, look, I had this idea I think this person, that person, Brody King, uh, Buddy Matthews, I said, I think it can work. This is the way I want to do it. What do you think? And then he said, like, I like it. Let's, let's, and, you know, and like, it, it was, it was, it was, a, sometimes it was a week to week uh, conversation between me and Tony. Sometimes I would go to Jacksonville and we, we'd map out three, four, five weeks. And we had to deal with a lot of changes because 
Phoenix, you know, got any got injured. Then Penta had some uh, visa problems, so oh, the, yeah. you know, a lot of things were kind of being moved forward and changed. And then, you know, we had to like wait on a lot of things. And um, but we got where we got. And eventually, I remember the night came where we did the Brody one, where I had them, you know, beat me down. But it was obviously Brody was was violent, so I needed I needed to invoke their violence to make sure that Brody would be. Uh, perceived as violence you know i always believe in uh i have a i have a um a philosophy that's that rates that i believe in violence to stop a greater violence and that's kind of how i perceived to bring brody in and that worked he got a great reaction and then with the buddy matthews thing um we did something similar and i you know i said to tony i said like you know this is how i feel we should do it and specifically because there's such a history with me. And that's always like one of the things that the, unfortunately their cameras didn't grab. But um, if you look at the, um, the footage, you see eventually you see the ring kind of like shake. It's because when I turn around, I did this banana peel slip and I fell on my ass on purpose because I wanted fans to legit think that he was there to beat my ass because of all the history between us. And they bought it because they started chanting like, you know, they started chanting his name and they were starting chanting, like beat him up or kill him and then all that stuff. And I heard that around the ring. I'm like, Oh, this could be so great. And then he circles me and he gets in front of Penta and Pac. And as Pac thinks it's safe and steps in, buddy, just knees. I mean, the cup just goes, Oh shit. We thought he was, you know, cause I wanted them to think for a split second for a hair of a fraction that buddy was there, even though I alluded to buddy a hundred times in these vignettes, in these promos. And he was clearly standing behind me when we did that one vignette, but I wanted them to think if I can create the illusion that even for a split second, he was going to come and save them. The reaction was going to be better. And that's why I did that banana peel slip because they've never seen me do something like that, but it really helped to translate the last final detail to get the reaction that we wanted with buddy uh, because all of it is all very psychological. Um, you know, all of it is very like preemptively planned. And like, sometimes you have to go on the fly, you have to change stuff as you're going. But I knew that was the one that was going to sell this. And it did, which is great. Cause he got a great reaction. And it was like one of those, we kind of knew he was there for you, but then the way you reacted made us think that he wasn't there for you, <laughs> but he beat you up, but then he beat the other guys up. <laughs> And it was just like, it was a fun play of things. And uh, it's good when like your ideas that you have come to fruition and like get the reaction that in your head, you knew that were that, you know, if it's going to get and, um, you know, and again, we dealt with a lot of like uh, moments in the last couple of weeks with like Phoenix not being completely ready. But obviously last week we finally got to, you know, we got back on the ball with Phoenix coming back and, um, you know, big, big, uh, big swerve on their end towards us. Um, but, you know, you're going to have to see this week what we, uh, what we might plan and have in store for them. So uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to slowly but surely cook this meat a little bit more and uh, give you guys some more stuff to talk about in the future. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. And there, there are so many matches uh, in AEW. I can't wait to see you have, uh, you yeah. know, I think there was such a, such a good like a lot of the veterans were at wwe were always re requesting to work with you um especially around mania time and like you know some of them are there now and hopefully see those are there any matches you're really excited about down the road to have an AEW, or you're just focused on the moment and the present i don't to be honest like it, it's one of the, like they, they have such a good crop of kids where i'm going like oh i can work with them i can make them that's why i requested to work with dante martin because i know i could make him now um, I tried to do this one thing with him, but it, that, put, that, you know, it put him on the map a little bit. It was the really simple sign of respect or at least acknowledgement at the end of that match. But I knew that was going to work for him. Um, obviously sometimes the forces that be can't always provide or support that to the fullest extent. That is just the nature of our business. But, you know, he was one of those kids that I knew that I could have a great match with and that I could work with. Um, I think obviously, you know, the, 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 the obvious answers lie within, you know, working a guy like Cole when we have no, you know, no set, set, set roles. Same with Kyle and Bobby. I think me and Moxley would be a very interesting matchup. And obviously when I say those things, I was tying the house of black with it 
you know, so that would mean like Daniel Bryan being in the part of O'Brien Danielson nowadays, you know, I'm still not used to that. Uh, um, you know, and, and, and like, I, I, um, I just look a lot at their younger guys that I know that I can, that can do a lot with. And like some of them, like you might not realize because not everybody looks at wrestling the way I do, but sometimes I just see potential. And I'm like, if I focus on this one thing with this person that I know that I can, you know, bring it out. And one of those people is also like uh, someone like Sonny, you know, who athletically is so gifted, but she has a different platform and she's viewed as different, but I know that I can change the tide if we do certain things or a certain aspect or a certain perspective or a certain program, but I know that I can, I can give a different dimension to an individual that yeah. they can build on. Right. Because sometimes it starts this small and they can grow from it and they can create something from it. Mm -hmm. Wrestling is not often, uh, it doesn't lie in, in the obvious often lies in the, in the, Oh, remember when that one thing and you, you know, you, it happened three years ago, but then three years later, you, you, re you realize that it was all based on that single moment, you know? Um, which is the beauty of what we do. Um, there's just like, there's, there's, there's like, there's so many, so many of these young kids, like, like even like Max Castor, who I think is, you know, he's, he's great. Um, both, you know, uh, and even though I wrestled Dante Martin, his brother, even though unfortunately he's currently, you know, uh, yeah. I wish him a speed to recover because he had a, he had a really nasty car accident. He's out for another like six to nine months. Um, but Max Castor and obviously his tag partner, um, there is not really anyone that I look at and I go, I can't work with them or I can't do anything with them. I, I, I do see a few people that need, you know, ripening as it said, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I at one point was at the same stage of my career. Um, I just didn't have the, the opportunity that, you know, a lot of these kids already have because, uh, you know, working, working for something as AW is already quite, quite notorious if that's what you managed to do within the three years of your career. And like, obviously that's, that's also the state of the business nowadays. It's very different than when I grew up, it took me nine to 12 years before I actually appeared on a television station, you know, in terms of like rustling. And it was like uh, a company, like a, 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 like a television station, national television station in France where we shot this pilot. And then two years later it was in Japan for Samurai TV. And you know what I mean? So it, it took me a while. I didn't get the, uh, there was no AAW specifically like in Europe. There was no television deals for wrestling because the time that I wrestled when I started wrestling wasn't as popular as it is now, or it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as like promoted as it is nowadays. Um, you know, so it, 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 there, there was a, a big group of people within that company that I really hope I get to work with. I'd say I have a good five to eight years left Hopefully, you know, if my uh, if my physique holds up in terms of like pain management and stuff, because I'm pretty beaten up, but not to the point where I'm like, I can't compete anymore. But, you know, there's definitely some miles on the on the wheels. Um, but, you know, time will tell. And, uh, you know, let's hope I get to do all the stuff that I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, see, uh, see myself against Hangman at some point relatively soon. But even like I've never I've never tangled with Keith Lee. That'd be cool. Swerve, yeah. one of my one of my one of the kids that I've mentored for a very long time. You know, I still do to this day. Um, Darby, you know, there's all these like really intriguing little matches and stories that we can create with a guy like him because he's very similar in his mindset to me. He's uh, you know, he's he's different. And then throw it back to guys like the Hardys, myself and Brody against the Hardys is something I would love. But also uh, uh, Andy and the and the and the, you know Butcher and Blade. You know, there's like, there's so much to do there. And we haven't even scratched the surface, like not even close of scratching the surface. You know, like I, yeah. I, I, I'm waiting for the moment where we get get the, the actual death triangle versus House of Black match, which I'm sure is coming. Yeah. Sooner or later, you know, so. Yeah, there's so much exciting stuff. And like, I'm, I'm dying to see you and you know, Buddy and, and Brody with with Mox and and Brian and and Regal. Um, you know, you you've given us so much time, yes. uh, Malachi, and I don't want to take up too much more of this. Uh, and it's been great how you've given it to this great cause. And um, you know, 
one thing I want to ask you before I go, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, is, you know, one person who played a big role in both our careers was Paul Heyman. And I just kind of what stands out to you that makes Paul Heyman Paul Heyman? Paul is Paul to me because he will always have love for the understanding that stuff evolves. Paul was a big part of the change within the business from the standpoint of EZW. Paul gets that nothing stays the same forever. And Paul understands the unique and differences that this business has. And Paul will always praise that. And Paul will always support that. And Paul, to me, he often calls me son. (laughs) You're like family to me, which is great. You know, I consider Paul to be a pivotal person in my wrestling career. Um, there's not, there's, there's not like, there's, there's, you know, Terry Taylor used to tell me success has many fathers. Failure has just one. But I know that if the entire world comes crashing down, there will be two people standing at my side. One of them is my dad. And the other one's Paul. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Check us out on the web at uwpod.com. You've got mail. Or send us an email. We really don't know what we're dealing with here, man. Info at uwpod.com. Universal Wrestling Podcast. Nobody does it better.